Great news, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time. I just want to let you know that we have finally released our second book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. This book was written with you in mind. I wanted to capture 15 unique stories of different investors starting at different stages and doing different things. This book is just that. It's nearly 300 pages of motivation, of confirmation, and reminders that yes, you too can do this thing. Check it out on Amazon, and of course, have a great day. Zuber, one rinse at a time, and now a two-time published author. I think that's the first time I've said that out loud. That's, that kind of has a nice ring to it, especially for somebody not very good at his English class. Ha ha, high school English, gotcha. Anyways, it is, what, October 9th? And it is Saturday. So again, what we will be doing at 8 a.m. Pacific is we will be doing a live stream right here on YouTube. Please join us. I'd love to have your questions. Uh, we will go for the full hour. And then if you are one of my students, at 9 a.m., we flip over to our private Facebook group and uh, we will um, do a 30-minute session there. So thank you very much, everyone. Yes, we did uh, cross the 23,000 mark on this great YouTube channel, so I thank you for very much. It was a slow slog the, for the last thousand. Hopefully the next thousand will be faster. And if you like your daily financial news, hit subscribe, because we will be here more than two years in a row, not missing a day. Uh, what I'm gonna do with my puppies, they're actually right here. They were up very early this morning, so I'm gonna let them sleep. I might show them off at the eight o'clock, but I'm gonna let them sleep, because they were rough last night. Uh, but anyways, we got two people to congratulate, two more people getting their first or next deal. I'm feeling really good about this 500. We're going to give a lot of money away to charity. And yes, I will be dyeing my hair purple, plus some other secret stuff out there that I haven't forgot about. So uh, first, let's congratulate Matt. This is actually Matt, the mortgage guy, folks. Yes, people that I interview and speak with do this business. So congratulations, Matt, the mortgage guy. If you are in the private Facebook group, of which Matt is, send him a little note. He did it. Got another deal in Sacramento. Uh, and congratulations, Jason. Sorry, Jason. Congratulations. Uh, we will have those cards out this afternoon. It is Saturday, right? Yep, it is Saturday. So a couple of things going on on the daily financial news. First and foremost, um, yeah, we'll go here first. I don't know if you've heard this, but I think we talked about it yesterday. There is a deal, at least a short-term deal, to raise the debt limit. Um, basically, they finally agreed. Uh, I think Mitch uh, got 11 Republicans to say yes to raise the debt ceiling till sometime in December. And then, uh, which, by the way, good for the U.S. I mean, I can't even... It is so unconscionable to think that our politicians would allow us to uh, default. Uh, it just had to happen. Uh, how it happened, who knew? Uh, but Mitch, Mitch, um, I don't know, some people say Mitch caved or gave in or whatever it is. Who cares? He did it for us, right? You want to see high interest rates, you want to see an economy that goes into a recession, dent or further dent the world's confidence in the U.S. dollar and not raising the debt limit would do that. So good job, Mitch. Good job, 61 people voting to do that, saving an unheard of thing. And then lo and behold, good old Chuck Schumer takes a victory lap 
and starts kicking people in the groin and just not cool. Uh, you, uh, we should be mending fences. We should be working together instead of, you know, poking people in the eyes. Do you think, uh, Mr. Chuck, you have a chance of getting those 11 to uh, vote that way again when you have to raise the debt ceiling next time? That was, I agree with Joe Manchin, who put his hands in his head. Not the time. Simply say thank you and move on. There is enough toxic stuff going on. Us, them, you. Uh, stop it. We are Americans. We are citizens of the world. Can we stop focusing on our differences and focusing on our what is best for everyone? Oh, that was that was not a good look, Chuck. Chuck, shame on you. Other thoughts uh, going on is uh, it is more and more clear that I think the China real estate market is in serious trouble. Uh, the China real estate market over the next several years, when you go back and look at hindsight, without question will be called a bubble, in my opinion. Uh, it is going to, values are going to fall. I don't even think the Chinese central government or the CCP is strong enough to kind of prop up the market. It is just flat out unaffordable. And what I have been watching for is um, what is going on with the next generation, the buyers. Uh, so here we go. Uh, the Chinese millennials. And if you watch the U.S. market, the millennials are important because they're aging into 31. And in the United States, 31 is an important number because that's the average first time purchase. I do not know what the average is in China. It would not surprise me if it's older, uh, just given what I'm about to share with you. So first and foremost, Chinese millennials are now doom scrolling. They are looking at the market uh, and looking for people that unfortunately put their entire uh, life savings into an unfinished apartment and now are you know afraid it won't be finished or whatever. Uh, what I seem to see is the average apartment in Beijing, get this, is a million dollars. A million bucks. The average salary in China, 21, let's, let's round up, 22 grand. That's a, almost a 50 to one ratio. That is nuts. In the US right now, I think it's, let's call it 360 and the average family of four's income is 75, seven, 70 maybe. Let's call it, I think it's actually 80. I think it's 79 something. So 80, so it's what? four and a half, five X, crazy. So again, what you have is the entire Chinese millennials who thought Chinese millennials for the last five years have been diligently saving and people are, um, home ownership was like a sign that you made it. Now millennials are thinking, nope, I'm not gonna put my money there. I'll rent, I'll live with family. They are changing and they will not be buyers, which will hurt the market. I think Chinese real estate market could fall 50%. I think it is grossly exaggerated. I think it is highly unaffordable. Uh, I think it is debt laden, but most importantly, you have just broken the psychology of the consumer. This is something you may not think about in a socialist country, but if you dent, or in this case, shatter, 
consumer confidence, which I believe is happening right now in China. They are going to conserve. They are not going to take on risk. They're going to go, you know, they're, they're, they're just going to save, save. They're going to hoard. They're going to try to get into dollars or gold or something. Uh, this is, um, it is going to be very interesting. And I think the Chinese real estate market, best case, best case could be Japan, where they have kind of a lost decade. I think it's going to be their, our version of a great recession, their version of a great recession. Anyways, I think it's going to be nasty. I think it is going to yuck. I think it is going to crash. So again, that is interesting. Uh, again, something else that I read about the Chinese market, 20%, uh, 20% of adults in China think housing is going to go up in Q4. All I have to say is, are you kidding me? Are you really think housing is going to go up? How could you think housing is going to go up when you have the second largest property developer and many others essentially going bankrupt and being sold for parts? How the heck can you think housing? But again, one in five think they will go up. Even worse than that, at least in my silly brain, 12.7%, only 12.7% or one-eighth, one-eighth of people uh, think housing is going to fall. So what is that? 20 plus 12, so 30, let's call it 33% think it's going to go up or down. So the other 66% or 68% think it's going to stay flat. That is kind of uh, really unexpected. I don't know how, I don't see how the Chinese market could go up in an environment where you have the second largest property developer selling off units at a discount, right? That's what has to happen. This is not Lehman Brothers. It's not paper that's went to zero. It's hard assets. Hard assets have some value, but they're going to be sold at a discount. That is very, very interesting. Talking about the U.S. market, again, if you've been watching this channel, I've been very clear that I think a housing slowdown is happening right now, and it's hard to see. It is happening at different rates in different cities. Uh, but one example that has now come to the forefront, forefront Reno, Nevada. Reno, Nevada is one of those markets that was hot, hot, hot. It's right over the border, right? It's, it's kind of the Bay Area's Vegas, right? If you're in LA and you want to follow Graham Stephan and you want to go to uh, Vegas and buy a $1.4 million house and have your house paid for by your tax savings, shout out Graham. You know, the people in the Bay Area go to Reno for the same thing, right? Get over the state line, no personal income tax, all that good stuff. So Reno was hot, hot, hot. Now it is cooling off. Uh, here are some numbers just in the last 60 days. Inventory in some of Reno's hottest zip codes. Uh, inventory at the beginning of the year, this is why I say eight, October is not April, uh, were only 130 listings. They were, they were counting days on market in days, not weeks. Now uh, that has gone up almost 300% to over 500 listings. Now just to be fair, that sounds like a lot, Normal market in these areas are more like 750, 800. Uh, so they're on their way to getting more balanced. But yes, uh, it is happening right now. Markets are changing. Some of the hottest tertiary markets are settling down. We've already seen the return to New York, right? Where the people that escaped New York are coming back, i.e. rents are up. These are all things that are happening right now. We are getting more and more back to normal. 
it will be interesting to follow boom towns like Reno and see if a housing slowdown turns into a housing drop. I'm on record saying that, yes, we will have some markets that have values fall. I do not see that on a national average, uh, but we could have a market and Reno could be one of those next year where they have a couple of down months or even a couple of down quarters. Just because the run-up was so fast, so hot, it's, it's, uh, it was just too much too fast. Uh, it certainly seems like the tapering is already beginning. If you don't know, we had the most important number of the week and the month. Yesterday, it was highly disappointing, right? We only had, what was it, 236,000 jobs created or 187? I don't know, some horrible number. I think it was 187, something like that. Anyways, but the unemployment rate did go down. It went from 5.1 to 4.8. So it seems like some folks are taking a victory lap that we have unemployment under 5%. It's very interesting. For most of my business career, 6% was considered full employment. I'm not sure when 3.5% became the new standard, but it seems like that was what people are working for. But even in the face of bad or lower than expected growth, the 10-year went up. Yes, folks, the interest rate on the 10-year went up from 1.58 to 1.62. These are signs that people really believe even in the face of bad jobs number, they are going to start tapering in November. And you are seeing more and more people realize that this inflation thing is not temporary. I've been telling you for six months, this is not temporary. When you have wage inflation, it's going to ripple through the economy. And right now you have more and more CEOs, as we just talked about yesterday, comfortable raising prices. Not to mention commodities like gas and cotton and all of these things are up, up, up. This is uh, going to be very, very interesting. Something else we have now seen with Chinese property developers is they leverage something called off-balance sheet debt. This is no bueno, no good. Think about a company who has $100 million in debt. They create this uh, shell. They take the debt. They move it over here. On this thing, they call it an asset. On that one, they call it debt. But now it's not tied together. It's called off-balance sheet. It is no bueno. Looks like Evergrande is one of the largest users of off-balance sheet debt. They had to do this because the Chinese government last year instituted limits. They call them the three, I don't know, the three lines or something like that. Or if you get crass these, you can't borrow more, which Evergrande was past them the day they were announced. But Evergrande took their net gearing to 100%, right? That was what it appeared to be in their audited financials, where in reality, some people have gone in and done some inspection, and they say best case, best case Evergrande is 177, and many people are saying it's likely over 200%. Folks, Evergrande is not a functioning entity. It has too much debt. It was levered up in a hot market. It has to go bye-bye. Uh, looks like uh, the last thing, uh, what else do we want to talk about? I think I got one more thing. So the last thing to talk about is it appears, it appears that this $3.5 trillion uh, infrastructure bill that now is looking to be voted on at the end of October, it appears that it will be smaller. The question I have for you or the question I have for... Um, the folks in DC is what 
taxes are you not going to raise? Because again, remember folks, they are going to be leveraging what's called a budget reconciliation. They were planning to raise taxes on the 1%. They were going after corporate taxes. They were going to do this. They were going to do that. But if they take the $3.5 trillion to, I don't know, 2.5 or 1.5, they don't need to raise as much taxes. So are they going to give corporations a pass? Are they going to give the 1% a pass? It will be interesting. But yes, if they spend less, they will raise less taxes that is how the budget reconciliation works. So again, folks, the last thing I will tell you is inflation is real. You still have an opportunity because the Fed has created an environment where interest rates are lower than they should be. I believe rates should easily be over 4%. They're not. They're in the low threes. So if you want to lock in 30-year money, you got a little bit of time. But again, if you want to use inflation, you need assets, assets that go up, assets that have rent, and then you want fixed rate debt. That is what's going on. That is what I learned from evaluating 50 years of housing, income, wage, CPI, stock, data. It's, I actually give you my research. It's in the free course. It's in the paid course. It's just called bonus content. I hide nothing. But yes, this is what I'm doing. I am following what the winners of the 1970s will be. If the winners of, of the 70s that decade were anybody that bought housing in 1970 and held to 79, they saw their property values double, their fixed rate debt stayed the same, and their rents doubled. Not saying that will happen this year, but we have inflation and inflation is not transitory. So folks, if you want to do some live Q&A, uh, I will be back at 8 o'clock. I will actually do that from my computer so I have more real estate. Uh, if you want to say hi, great. Uh, thank you for everybody taking book selfies. I'm getting more and more of these. These are finally being delivered. Uh, some of you have tagged me on Instagram. Uh, Millennial Mike, thanks for the shout out. You got yours. That's awesome. Look forward to the feedback. Take care of yourself. We'll talk in 12 minutes. Bye-bye.